On today's show, we're speaking with Jamie Crabb about assisted technology. These days, it's becoming more and more a part of our daily lives. Jamie Crabb is an expert in the field with a background in education and technology. He works with students who have specific disabilities and specific learning differences, like dyslexia. Jamie heads up DNA's training and innovations team, coordinating and delivering CPD workshops in higher education on integrating study strategies and assisted technology. So thanks so much, Jamie, for coming on the show today to talk with us about your experiences of dyslexia. You're very welcome. (laughs) (laughs) So I've been really lucky to um, cross paths and start working with Sandra Hardgraves, um, who you've been working Mm -hmm. with for quite a while right now. So how did that come about? Uh, Working with Sandra. Okay, so well, that came about from, um, I actually um, studied... um, postgraduate training course some years ago on uh, teaching adult dyslexic learners in higher education and um, and Sandra was a course leader um, so so that's how I uh, came to know Sandra um, and uh, and I guess since the course completing the course and, and beginning my work supporting dyslexic adults um, I uh, kept in contact with Sandra over the years and she often would get in touch with me around assistive technology because she knew that was a particular area that I was passionate about, um, helping students use assistive technology to you know, um, uh, enable them to develop study skills or strategies. And uh, she kept, kept in contact quite regularly. And, um, and then it came to um, the time when she was being asked to... Um, do the third edition of the, of the book Study Skills for Students um, with Dyslexia. And um, she asked me, um, would I come on board? Because she was really keen on getting many, much more assistive technology um, in the book. And, um, and we had a great conversation about it. And we said, look, let's, let's, just, let's weave assistive technology throughout the entire book. Let's not have a separate chapter or let's actually actively try and get that all the way through the book so that it could be really accessible and available to um to everybody so yeah that was our project and really how we really came together in the last uh, i think it was 2016 that was that publication yeah. So, yeah. Uh, technology seems to be a huge theme that comes up in a lot of my podcasts with guest mm. speakers and um, can you talk a little bit around what assisted technology means? um we have a little bit of information on our website but it'd be great to yeah. find out more about what you're talking about. Yeah, I guess um, assistive technology is um, a piece of equipment, a tool, a piece of equipment, a piece of software um, that um, can help a learner who might be struggling with something. Now, if we think of it in terms of education, then it might be um, a particular area of learning, such as literacy or um, organization. So where they're struggling with that area and this and an assistive technology is really a tool that can kind of is like a bridge to help with with um, um, managing those difficulties or overcoming those difficulties. That's the way I see it. So, I mean, assistive technology can be seen as a broad spectrum in that sense in that, you know, if someone has difficulties with writing, you know, handwriting, then a pen grip could be a piece of assistive technology, whereas um, we go further down the line to more digital things then we then um 
Um, you know, if, if learners have difficulty with spelling um, or, or, or reading, then something like um, text-to-speech software can be very helpful. So uh, software which will read um, text back um, so that will help the learner to, to hear. It's a multi-sensory approach, really, to both hear and see what they've written um, and um, be able to proofread and, and understand where things may, may be going wrong. Potentially, so so that's that, that's it. So that's my kind of broad perspective on assistive technology. I've used um, text to speech quite a bit, and I find it fascinating. I can see, mm. I can hear the mistakes rather than see them. Um, yes. And Word now has it, uh, which is great because it's free and easily accessible. But are there other yeah. ones that you can talk about that? Because I find that Word's a little bit slow, and when you've got a lot of content you're trying to proofread, it can take quite a while. What um tools do you think are really useful particularly if you're at uni or you're in the workplace and you're pressed for time yeah sure so um i mean there's this this commercial software and there's free software so the the commercial software um such as um text help read and write gold mm -hmm. or claro read these are pieces of commercial software um, which are excellent, you know, in really industry standard pieces of software, which have a number of different voices, um, have all sorts of tools included, such as um, uh, advanced spell checkers and homophone checkers. So that's really great. So it's all this is integrated as well as the, you know, being able to read back um, uh, the printed text as well. But also they include um, certain tools such as um, uh, what we call optical character recognition software, OCR software. So essentially what that is, is that um, it will um, allow you to take a, a scan of, a, of, um, of, say, for example, a chapter in a book and, uh, and run that through the o OCR software and turn it into readable text. So, uh, which is great because then you can do all sorts of things such as um, turn it into a Word document, put lots of spacing in between the paragraphs, change the alignment, the font size, the background color, all sorts of kind of customization um, to really make reading more useful and meaningful for, for the way that you, you like to read. So those, that's the commercial software. And then there's, on the other side, there's lots and lots of free software now. So on, on um, iPhones and Android devices, you know, text-to-speech is actually built in now into, into the phone. So you can really easily read emails and um, uh, any kind of documents on your phone or, or tablets um, using text-to-speech. So that's built into iPhones. Um, and then there's, um, trying to remember what the, uh, I can't remember the, the piece of software, but if you look up text-to-speech in the Android app store, you'll, you'll, fi you'll find, you know, there's lots of free apps. So essentially, it's, um, text-to-speech is just becoming every day now everybody can use it it's yeah. it's really um it's there it's on your phone it's uh, it's really exciting time to when i started out 10 years ago which is you know it was a very different time really yeah so how did you get involved in this 10 years ago what drew you into this space what drew me into this space well um i was um studying my master's at university and um and I was struggling, like a lot of learners, I was struggling and wondering, wondering why I was struggling. And um, a colleague of mine who had had a dyslexia assessment said, ah, um, have you thought of going and having a dyslexia um, assessment? And I was, and I scratched my head and thought to myself, oh, 
Um, no, I haven't actually. But um, some of the difficulties she was describing um, in particular, I, I was struggling with, which was kind of processing information and organizing my ideas. These were the, these were the things that I was really struggling with. So I thought, okay, I'm going to go and check this out. And, um, and so I had a screening and I had a, a full diagnostic assessment and, um, and uh, the outcome was that I um, had dyslexia and dyspraxia. Um, and I guess that was the, really the start of my journey and I began um, to uh, be able to access um, um, some support via the Disabled Students Allowance, which is a grant in the um, UK for um, providing support for, for learning in higher education. And uh, I had great individual tuition, one-to-one -one study skills tuition to help me with some uh, developing study skills and also assistive technology training. And, um, and I guess at the end of that, um, I, was, I was kind of working in and around academia at the time. And, um, and I thought to myself, oh, this is really interesting work. I really like this work and I like the kind of relationships that you can build with students because I strongly believe that um, that's one of the most important things actually for learners is actually developing um, a relationship where um, they can um, build their academic self-concept. This is really important to me. And, uh, and that's kind of what took me into the journey really. Um, yeah, so that, that was my story in and, uh, and I, and I've, uh, you know, become very involved in, um, in this area of work in, in, in higher education over the past 10 years. So how did you feel when you had that diagnosis? Cause you would have been a young adult at that Yes. Time. Yeah. I was, oh gosh, I would just can't remember what age it was. It must've been 35, sorry, not 30, 25. <laughs> um, and, um, yeah well a bit of disbelief to begin with i was i didn't believe it because i was like well why haven't i been diagnosed earlier but then i started to think about it and a lot of the struggles that i had at school really make sense you know i really struggled at school with certain things and um so it was like shining a light really i was able to look back and kind of go oh okay now i understand why why i um i didn't complete my first master's course you know I kind of left the course thinking I wasn't bright enough mm. um, and um, and at the same time though it was you know also quite stressful I suppose to learn this right in the middle of doing a master's course because there was lots of things to to understand and learn um, but it but I suppose it was you know in many ways enlightening because I was then able to kind of grab hold of myself and kind of go okay I need to understand this in order to help myself um, and, and I can develop strategies and you know I've, I can probably say you know since that time I've been constantly developing ways um, of working that are be better for me you know because I know what, what what I struggle with rather than it being not really something I understand um, yeah yeah, so that's that, I guess that's a long and short answer. <laughs> well, we were at similar ages when we were diagnosed. Oh, okay. But, yeah, I wasn't assessed for dyspraxia, though I've always been pretty bad at sports and coordination. So yeah. can you talk a little bit about how that um, impacts on you? Because we talk a lot about how dyslexia impacts on people day to day, but we haven't really um, had an opportunity to talk about dyspraxia before. Sure. Yeah, I think you know dyspraxia. I think it's it, certainly in the UK. It's become um, it's it's got it's become more in the news, and I think because it's something that's 
um, significantly undiagnosed mm. um, in that people with dyspraxia are often missed. Um, whereas dyslexia, I suppose, it's, it's, when, when someone is dyslexic, um, it's, it's clearer because they have difficulty with um, kind of specific literacy skills such as phon phonology, phonological processing, um, um, auditory memory. Um, and it's, you know, this shows up really clearly generally in kind of reading and, and writing and spelling ability. Whereas dyspraxia doesn't necessarily, I mean, it's interesting with dyspraxia, quite often you'll find that people with dyspraxia have got very good actual, their ability to read, as in, you know, read for meaning is, is pretty good, actually. Now, this isn't, you know, across the board, but, um, but generally that's, that's not such an issue. Spelling and isn't, isn't such an issue. Um, but handwriting is often an issue. Um, and this is to, due to, I suppose, the difference between um, dyslexia and dyspraxia because um, dyspraxia is um, the, the kind of uh, definition of dyspraxia is a difficulty with uh, a, a kind of a history, a historical developmental difficulty with um, gross or fine motor movement or both, um, essentially. Uh, but what also comes with that is some, some other areas of I suppose cognitive difficulties, um, which will be to which will be visual spatial skills. So um, uh, things like map map reading, coordinating the body in space. So people who are dyspraxic will often uh, say they were kind of clumsy when they were younger mm. and knocked things over. Um, you know, maybe had difficulties with things like tying their shoelaces. But but they'll also have difficulties with. Um, visual spatial other visual spatial skills such as telling the time mm -hmm. um, uh, and and then there's other cognitive elements of dyspraxia so, um, which are to do with organizing ideas so I uh, I see dyslexia as to be doing with the is the auditory realm so being able to hear and process and and sound out essentially so it's that sound it's the, it's the auditory realm whereas dyspraxia is also what i would call the visual spatial realm and i often when i'm tr um, explaining to students because i also assess to say well actually with dyspraxia it's the visual spatial realm that is um a, a, which is ch challenged really um, and it's almost as though there are just so many ideas that are floating around for somebody who's uh, dyspraxic and because the, the this visual spatial realm isn't so strong um there's it, it just is jumbled and it can become very very overwhelming so um with dyspraxia the really important thing is to get ideas out or get information out it's so so important so things like mind maps or organized lists or or um calendars you know because people with dyspraxia often difficulty with time and organizing so getting every visual, any kind of getting information out, lists, you know, writing lists, um, writing notes as thoughts come out. So, so important, I think, dyspraxia. It's really interesting because it's a lot of, like they say with people with dyslexia, they've got poor organisational skills. Or yes, yeah. They can't read maps and yes. lefts and rights, which is kind of spatial as well, isn't it? Your left yeah, side. absolutely. In fact, um, Sylvia Moody, who is a, um, uh, mm. a, a late, late Sylvia Moody, who is a very well-respected um, educational psychologist, created something called the Dyslexia Dyspraxia Continuum. Mm -hmm. and I'll, be, I'll be able to actually send it to you, Shay, because um, I actually rooted around for it this morning. But basically, she shows how on this continuum, um, 
dyslexia and dyspraxia you know are on this continuum essentially and um and it's not it, it's not one or the other generally where we are somewhere on the continuum so i'm dyslexic and dyspraxic so i have some difficulty with phonological skills as well um, and actually very interesting with dyspraxia one of the key things when we are assessing dyspraxia is it's this it can be the speed of phonological retrieval from memory um, that could be the issue whereas um, with dyslexia it's actually uh, phonological processing per se you know actually see you know so it's um so there are there is a lot of overlap actually between dyslexia and dyspraxia it's not it's not so straightforward as they say no it's not and it's interesting because i thought that dysgraphia was with your poor handwriting yes that, yeah yeah own term as well but then it's linked then to dyspraxia yes yeah yeah well absolutely so it's all on a kind of continuum of neurodiversity i guess mm. so how do you what are some of the strategies you use well there's two things really one how are you how do you assess dyspraxia is it the same as <clears throat> um being assessed for dyslexia and then what are some mm. of the strategies um, that you've put into place um, since you've been diagnosed with it? Sure. Uh, so how do we dyslex, uh, sorry, um, assess uh, dyspraxia? Well, we, we do that in the same way, essentially, as dyslexia. Um, so that we run the same um, uh, tests, essentially. So we would, we would do a very detailed history with the client and we would be looking for, uh, we, we, you know, when we assess, we're looking for a wide range of, specific learning difficulties so um, um, it wouldn't we wouldn't be just looking for dyslexia or dyspraxia we'll be working with an open mind so we do a, a very detailed interview with somebody and we'd be looking for what what's what's coming up in there about the history um, in in terms of school and and, and adult life and then we would run a number of um, different um, tests um, um, which would be the same. So we, we run them for dyslexia and dyspraxia, the same. So, and we, um, you know, for someone with dyspraxia, there's probably, um, there's likely, should I say, to be difficulties with visual, visual tasks, more visual spatial tasks, handwriting tasks. So that, that will show up usually. And, and also speed of processing information. What we often find is, um, the speed of processing visual information. So when doing visual tasks, that's that's um, that's an area of specific difficulty with dyspraxia. So we what we do is we look at then we'll look at the whole profile together, including the um, the uh, interview, and we'll kind of we'll, we'll put the puzzle pieces together, and at the end we'll be able to work out yeah that puzzle. And the second question, yeah, what was that? What have I developed? <laughs> yes. What are my strengths? Um, I mean, I know I'm, a, I'm, I'm actually a very, I would say I'm a quite a logical thinker as opposed to a visual thinker, uh, which is unsurprising given, <laughs> you know, I have dyspraxia. So I, I kind of like to think in organized ways. So lots of lists is something I do. I use, I use something called Google Keep, which is a list, which is a place for just putting lots of different notes and, and checklists. And then I also have a, a more organized system called Todoist, which is a, a very, a structured listing system where I can put tasks down and break them down into subtasks. So that's that's really important for me because uh, I'll grab things as they come into my mind on the go. So rather than getting jumbled up, I know they're somewhere and I can relax. Um, so that's really important. Um, and calendars, I you know I 
I wouldn't survive without my calendars and I wouldn't survive without maps either. Google Maps is is like, <laughs> I don't even know what I did before Google Maps. I think I, I must have just walked, I mean, I remember printing off like lots of maps and then coming out the tube station and, and just trying to work out what, what way it was. You know, it was impossible for me to, <laughs> to do that. Uh, uh, so, so I love now, I've just got a little arrow and I just walk <laughs> in the direction of the arrow. Um, and yeah, and all sorts of, yeah, so I love mind maps as well. I can really use those to just get and plan out the structure of, of something. You know, it's really helpful. So interestingly, often it's you, for dyspraxia, it's often using visual things in order to, I would say, compensate for, the, for this area, which doesn't quite visualise in, in the way that it would be great to. Because often with dyslexia, um, a lot of students, not all, of course, because dyslexia is very different, but people will say, I have really good visual abilities. I can visualise things. I can, I can do all that stuff in my mind. And uh, yeah, so those are the kind of strategies that I use. Yes, we talk a lot about Google Maps. We've had a lot of um, guests. Fantastic. You talk about getting lost in car parks and my sister had to help me with the Melways because I can't read a Melways, but she would be able to oh, read Oh, right, them. yeah. Yeah, so, but I'm the same as you. I would hold a map upside down and back to front and just yeah. be disorientated. <laughs> yes. It's good to hear I'm not the only one. It's really uh, reassuring when I get to talk yes. to people and I, we have similar experiences. It makes me feel a lot better. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's good, and I think we're I think we're 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 not the only ones. There's a lot. There's lots of people who, who struggle with these things, and that's what's so exciting about you know this mobile technology now is that every everybody can can use this stuff, and uh, and it's just really empowering. I think to to um, to have this uh, technology to to help that doesn't really cost very much either. You know, it's it's really accessible in that sense. Yeah, I don't think I would have got to where I am without, well, my family and technology, really. Yeah. Um, so we're, we've said before how lucky we are to be living in this century with all the amazing things that are happening. Are there any apps particular that you, um, you use? Any apps that I use? Or that you um, suggest to your students that would be useful for them? Um, yeah, there's yeah quite a few apps actually. Um, so um, I think uh, one thing that's very very useful now is uh, the ability to be able to scan on your phone. So you can scan um, books or chapter sorry chapters from books and things like that on your phone or paper stuff. Um, uh, so I think that's great. So there's, there's um, I don't know if you know Dropbox very well, but uh, in Dropbox, there's, a, you know, the ability to scan documents now on Dropbox, or you can use something on the iPhone called Evernote Scannable or on Android devices, um, uh, got Cam Scanner. So this, this allows you to kind of take scans of chapters from, from books. Um, and then um, I would, uh, I, this is what I personally do because I'm studying still at the moment, I'm studying my um, postgraduate in uh, counselling and psychotherapy. So what I will do then is I will um, put these scans through um, a free um, online um, piece of software called Robo Braille, which basically will convert user OCR soft, uh, technology to be able to turn these, um, you know, these chapters into text that I can highlight, annotate, use text-to-speech software. 
Mm. So those that's that those are two really important, powerful tools. I think um, they're excellent. Um, I also use something called Audio Note. It's by Luminant. So if you Google that, it's Luminant Audio Note, and that is um, um, an excellent tool for recording. So anything that's um, you know like a lecture or um, etc. And then what you can do is you can actually type at the same time, and it will kind of put timestamps. So you can kind of jump to different sections of your recording and uh, you can also doodle, which I particularly like, so you can like do drawings, <laughs> so, which I think is, you know, that's really great to be able to do that if you want to. Oh, and take pictures of the board and, you know, that kind of stuff. So it's, you know, it's, I think it's something like um, five pounds, you know, for, per year, which I think is such a great, you know, it's such a great price for, for a brilliant tool. Um, tasks lists, as I said, you know, they are brilliant. Google Keep is excellent. If you like sticky notes in particular, um, it looks like a, you know, a virtual board of sticky notes, which is, you know, fantastic. If you like something, you know, straightforward, um, you know, like that, then yeah, it's brilliant. Um, oh, so many. I could just talk forever about apps. <laughs> well, I think, um, we'll How about you? Well, you know, I don't use a lot, which... I probably should. I think I've just put strategies in place. But in saying that, I have human people that um, support me. So mm, um, yeah, help edit my work. Um, Fantastic. Yeah, when I say people, it's mainly my mum. Uh -huh, yeah. A principal at a school, so um, she's very busy. But normally it'll be my mum or I have a great network of friends that will um, help me with my writing but I have started using text-to-speech and I was trying to find because I'm doing my doctorate something that I could um, put my readings onto because I found there's a lot of readings that I couldn't keep up with mm. find something that I could upload that so it could just I could sit in bed or on the tram and just listen to all yeah rather than having to try and read it myself fantastic so I will put a list of all your great suggestions on the website so people can mm. have uh, we have a small section at the moment, but nothing as comprehensive as what you're talking about right now. Sure. Well, I mean, you can check out, we have a, um, I work for Diversity and Ability, which is a social enterprise um, for supporting adults with who have dys got dyslexia, and dyspraxia and other disabilities as well in higher education. And they have a fantastic resources section, um, which has loads of assistive technology. And that includes the, some of the free stuff that I've been talking about today. So you can, you can link that um, resources section, if you like, Shay, onto your, onto your website so others can access that. Because um, I, I recognise what you're saying. It's quite hard to, and especially having to reinvent the wheel, which actually if others have done the work, then, you know, you can just make benefit, get benefits from that. So I'll send you, you know, I'll send you that so people can have a look and explore, um, you know, these, uh, these tools. Um, well, that'd be great. Yeah. Thank you. Mm. you yeah, you're very welcome. Have you used a reading pen? I've heard that they're quite good for students when they're at uni to highlight different... Yeah, yes. I haven't used them personally, but I have I've, um, have colleagues who have um, come across them and they're getting fantastic now. In fact, they're, um, uh, I think there's, they're being recommended now as a, as a tool rather than a, a reader, as in a human reader. So mm -hmm. the idea of a reading pen is you can literally move your pen across printed text like a question in the exam and then it will read the question back to you right so which is great how fantastic is that yeah. um 
No, really powerful. Excellent. Because I've found that I've um, gone off on tangents with assignments for uni because I've misread the question mm -hmm. and thought I've read it right. Yeah. And I've got feedback from lecturers saying, you've kind of missed the point here. And it's, I don't really realise that I've even misread the question to begin with. Absolutely, yeah. And, you know, what these redepends do as well is they'll give you a definition of words. So particular words. I mean, I, I know myself having, a, <laughs> I remember in school, I, um, I went into an exam and, I, and I, I read a word wrong. So I wrote the essay um, differently <laughs> to, to how I should have written it's because, of, do, isn't it? because I read, read this wrong, you know, the definition. Yeah, very yeah. easy. Mm. So mm. how would you assess, um, do you do an assessment of what type of assistive technology would be useful a student or do you just kind of give them a list of things and they go and they find what will be what will work for them I mean I have quite a good understanding of assistive technology so I will you know make suggestions to students about you know things that they might like but you know it's very as with um, you know all specific learning difficulties um, you know it's very specific to the to the individual so it's a question of, you know, I'll work with a student and we will kind of identify what the learning strategy or need is. So it might be, let's say, note taking. And then we would then we'll look at the different options that might be available in terms of that, in terms of the strategy. So what note taking strategy um, do you use currently? Um, what are the different strategies that are available? Um, and then looking at the technology that we can apply to that and, and looking at the different types of technology that might might be applied to that as well. So I often see it as quite a problem solving approach. Um, and uh, I've been, yeah, I've been, well, actually I've been a very interesting piece of work I've been doing is with a, a PhD student for the past year and a half. And, and it's been very much, because it's an ongoing piece of work, um, we've been looking at a variety of pieces of software over the durational time and um, trying things out. Does this work? Does that work? Oh, well, let's go. Let's try this one instead. And it's kind of a problem solving approach, really, which I, which I think is the, the best way. It's about uh, the student going away, trying something out, or we'll try it. We'll work on it together. Go away, try that out in, in between, come back. We talk about it, reflect. How has it worked for you? Okay. That does, that doesn't. Let's let's tweak it a little bit and, and work towards what what will what will be most useful. And and in that way, you kind of you, you kind of develop something that um, focuses on you know strategies and technology and bringing them together. Because if they don't come together, <laughs> um, you know, the, it's some something doesn't work. You know, yeah. it doesn't doesn't happen. Yeah. Your students are very lucky because we don't have anything like this in Australia at the moment. So it's really just go and find your own support mechanisms and uh, best mm. really, which is you know why we're having these podcasts and the websites trying. Yeah, it's such a shame. I mean, because there's 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 I think there's a lot to to um, to take from what's going on over here, I suppose. So I hope you know that yeah, that I hope that things. Um, can develop really from from what you're learning I suppose from the UK um, and um, perhaps there'll be a sea change because uh, it would be great because at the end of the day everybody once they once they find what works for them can can do really well can do really well so it's such it's such a good investment to to 
to invest in people in in, in skills and development it's, it's actually money well spent um, and can really help people to really um, uh, engage in life and in the workplace and study and etc um, so I'm you know I feel really good about the fact that we have um, the disabled students allowance here in the UK actually and access to work which is for in work which can help it's you know it's a really good scheme and, and hopefully Australia can follow suit soon <laughs> it would be great well, but you're doing great work around that so that's brilliant well thank you yeah that's what we're hoping to do and that's our ethos is if people have mm. the right supports and really regardless of what they want to do they should be able to do that um yeah just getting them the right supports in the first place that um yes we are learning a lot from the uk and hoping to model a lot of what we learn and put it into the australian context Great. Are there any top tips you would like to uh, leave with our listeners around assistive technology or how you manage with both dyslexia and dyspraxia, though most likely we've all got a bit of both um, if we've been diagnosed with dyslexia? But, yeah. Yeah, anything you'd like to... Top tips, assistive technology. Well, look, just um, if you're struggling some, with something, um, Try and work out what it is. What is it exactly? If I can really boil it down, what is it? I'm struggling with writing or I'm struggling with taking notes in lectures or I like just really sit and, and rather than panic, just sit and go, what is it? What's, what is it that's going on for me? Okay, I'm struggling with this. And then it's about thinking, okay, well, there are strategies out there that I can look at for, say, um, um, spelling or, or proofreading or something else, organisation, so there are strategies. Let me, let me go and have a look at what those strategies might be. Um, a good start, you know, the book that Sandra and I wrote, Study Skills for Student with Dyslexia, it's, I have to say, it's a really brilliant book. And, um, and, and, and it goes through different study strategies that can help. And then, and, then, and then it's a case of going, well, what technologies out there that might be able to help me with this? So that would be my kind of three-step process for um, you know, working on developing and, and integrating assistive technology, really. Um, in terms of kind of top tips, just in terms of dyslexia, dyspraxia, and other specific learning difficulties, I think, um, you know, my, certainly my thinking of my work recently has, has been thinking a lot around shame and in educational self-concept. So our, how we come to um, feel about ourselves in education. And um, from my own experience, uh, you know, I spent probably many years thinking I wasn't bright enough. And, um, and, and that really was, that, that was really detrimental for me. So, and, and what would happen with that is that I would run away. I'd run away from things. So I guess my key thing that I would like to say to everybody is don't run away. Actually, run toward because when we're struggling, we just, we need support and somebody to, to listen to us. And, um, and um, let's challenge those patterns of running away. We've run away for long enough, actually. Um, it's time to, to ask for help and, and seek out help because help is always there. And let's talk about what, what, what's going on. Let's try and put it into words because there is there's not a lot of people, there's not enough people who are talking and putting this the struggles into words and actually by doing that we'll build bridges with other people and we'll learn that actually there's lots of people there's lots of other people who are struggling usually you know let's face it they say it's 10 percent 
uh, diagnosed with dyslexia. That's diagnosed, <laughs> okay? That, that's, that's diagnosed. But actually, there's probably a lot more people out there who, who um, struggle. And, and one thing I've learned when I start to talk about things I struggle with, you know, generally in a room full of people, a lot of people will kind of laugh and kind of go, yes, that's me too. <laughs> and a dialogue happens. So I think kind of challenging this educational shame that we've developed let's let's stop let's not run away anymore let's let's get our voices heard and and uh, and we can be heard and we we let's 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 reach let's reach out that's my that's my advice well that's a fantastic way to end our podcast mm. very inspirational and everything you said resonated with me so thank you so much Please. really appreciate your time jamie If you'd like to hear more about the work Jamie is doing or any of the assisted technology that we've discussed today, head to the Dear Dyslexic website to find out more. We've also just launched an assisted technology fact sheet, so head to the Dear Dyslexic website at dyslexic.com to find out more. Also, if you haven't already done so yet, make sure you sign up to our mailing list so you can keep up to date with all the work that we are doing at the Foundation head to deardyslexic.com. And don't forget, if there's anything you've heard today that you've found distressing, you can contact Beyond Blue, 1300 224636 or Lifeline 13 14. Thanks for listening and until next time, bye for now. Mm-hmm.